Good morning. Please do turn to Luke chapter 9. And uh, why you do that, just two housekeeping matters. The first is that we are all aware that we are in the COVID situation and that space has become a challenge, particularly with the permission uh, of the above five uh, to uh, that age group. So that sitting may be a challenge. And so if you are inconvenienced, please do bear with the uh, doorkeepers. Uh, they may ask you to create space or even uh, to go and sit elsewhere in their judgment. Please do bear with them. It's because of the circumstances in which we are. Uh, that's the first. But second, I think if you've been following, we've had quite several bereavements. Uh, and just to ask us to pray that the Lord may spare us uh, such uh, bereavements as a local church. But JY had uh, two funerals in a very short space of time. We told Bachitalu has a funeral, the Hatches of Woods, the Tembos had a funeral recently, and uh, we can list others. So let's pray that God would be gracious to us and spare us those uh, sad experiences in church life. Luke chapter 9, verse 22 to verse 26. And uh, the answer to the question that we are addressing this morning was addressed by the very first song the praise team sang. The question is, are you ashamed of Christ? And that song basically said, I am not ashamed. And because I'm not ashamed, I will therefore continue. My question again is this Are you sure you are not ashamed of Christ? Or did you sing that song without meaning the words? When you actually do. Are you ashamed of Christ? Luke chapter 9, verse 22 to verse 26. But let's pick up from verse 21 of Luke. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and the third day be raised. They say to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me, for my sake, will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, and loses or forfeits himself? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not test death until they see the kingdom of God. Language that is stated as being ashamed it is stated strongly in Matthew chapter 10. 
and would be referring to all the three or four references or comments or not being ashamed. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Some content but strong wording. Uh, not ashamed, but denial in the context of Matthew chapter 10. We read in verse 32 of Matthew chapter 10. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. It is rendered ashamed, is rendered refusing to acknowledge, and such a one again is indicated will have denied Jesus Christ, and such a one would be denied by Christ before the Father. I ask again, are you sure you are not ashamed of Christ? The context of all the Gospels is predominantly in the context of the Savior's predicted death, the Savior's predicted betrayal, and therefore a suffering that would come upon them. And because of that suffering and pressure, the temptation to deny, as Peter did on an occasion, the temptation to be ashamed of Christ was and is very real when you're going through pressure because of the name of Christ. In verse 21 of chapter 9, Luke, we are told Jesus foretells his death. They are wrestling with the fact of his dying and they are remaining without a leader. And in that context, as you read elsewhere, Somebody comes up to Christ and says to him, how dare you speak like this? And there is a strong rebuke that Satan must get behind the Savior. And it's in that context that we have, therefore, if anyone is ashamed of me, or if anyone does not acknowledge me, I will also not acknowledge them. If anyone denies me before men, I will also deny him. If anyone is ashamed, I'll also be ashamed of him or her. So Mark, in a truncated version or not a fuller version, tells us, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. While Luke simply tells us, if anyone is ashamed of me and of my words, well, Mark qualifies the context as well that it is being ashamed of Christ in this adulterous and sinful generation. It's in a hostile environment that these words are being spoken. And it's in that context I ask the question, are you sure you are not ashamed? Jesus is explaining the ultimate blessing of following him, being proud of him, acknowledging him, 
and accepting, if we to use the word as an opposite of denying, of receiving him, of acknowledging the Savior, and he states in all these verses that such a one will be rewarded gloriously, such a one would be acknowledged by the Savior, such a one would be acknowledged in a tripartite glory revealed, the glory of the Father, of the Son, and of the angels. But in the same setting that the Savior is stating the tragic consequences of the one who chooses not to follow faithfully the Savior, who chooses to be ashamed, who chooses to deny him when he comes in judgment, such a one will be punished. Verse 26 of Luke 9, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him, will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. In considering this portion of God's word and using Luke as our key passage, but treating all at the gospel presentation of this context, or of this content, four questions I would like us to answer in responding to that chief question. Four questions. One, what does it mean to be ashamed of Christ and his word? What does it mean to be ashamed of Christ and his word? That you can, in the context of Matthew, already answer that question. It's refusing to acknowledge Christ. It's denying the Savior. But the second question is, what is the attitude the Lord Jesus is calling for in his disciples? What is the attitude the Lord Jesus is calling for in his disciples? The third question, what is the awful or horrible consequence of being ashamed of Christ? What is the awful or horrible consequence of being ashamed of Christ. And lastly, what is the glorious blessing of not being ashamed of Christ? What is the glorious blessing of not being ashamed of Christ? What does it mean to be ashamed of Christ and his word? Before we answer the question, just by way of reflecting on the text, that notice that being ashamed of Christ and his word are equated at the same level. That denying Christ equals denying his word. Denying his word or his teaching equals denying the one who has taught or the one who has spoken the word. So Luke and Mark state that very clearly in their writing. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words. Sometimes you come up in the pulpit and make certain resolves that today I won't say this, but you look at the text. You're compelled to say it. And so if you've been nauseated by the repetitiveness of this commitment and faithfulness to the scriptures. You can't escape it. It's on almost every page. 
and our Savior, he states it again. You are ashamed of me, well, you are ashamed of my words. You are ashamed of my words, you are ashamed of me. Notice again that it doesn't say you are ashamed of somebody's dreams. It does not say you are ashamed of somebody's prophecies. It does not say you are ashamed of somebody's hunches or insinuations or whatever burdens they have because they're subjective. But if you are ashamed of his words, you are ashamed of the means that is used to reveal the process and the path to salvation and maintain holiness. But elsewhere in John he would say this, if you my disciples, you'll obey my commands. Because that's what is true of his disciples. But then what does it mean to be ashamed of Christ and his words? In the context or in the immediate context of the Gospels, it means to refuse to carry one's cross. That is, the reproaches and the endurances associated with identifying with Christ as his disciples. That's the immediate setting of these words. Verse 23 of Luke chapter 9. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This not being ashamed of Christ has to do with what I would call you sacrifice yourself for the glory of Christ. But also it means in the context that you proudly carry your cross. The reproaches of identifying with the Savior. Basically saying to the world, the one who died the shameful death, the one upon whom you spat, the one you ridiculed, the one you beat with your blows again and again, the one you thought was not worthy to be among us, the one you look down upon is the one with whom I identify. And I'm not ashamed. I'm going to carry the cross. That this carrying the cross is not carrying the cross as a relic, as footballers do. So when they score, then they tell us they are Christians and lift, they come across and kiss it. That's not what is meant here. This basically means, are you able and are you available, are you able to say the insults that Christ bore? I am available to be insulted the same way. The same way the Savior was mistreated, I am available to be mistreated. The same way he behaved and was thought to be unwise, I would behave myself the same way. So in the context, it means that is to be ashamed of Christ, it's to refuse your cross. It is to refuse to carry the reproaches and the endurances associated with identifying with Christ as his disciples. We followed the debate about uh, comprehensive sexual education. I have my position and hopefully at some point 
will address it. But reading yesterday's must, it is the scornful view of EFZ. That if you read yesterday's must, it's almost like, are you sure you guys, you know what you are talking about? Are you not just being prejudicial? There is a word I'm looking for and it's not coming. Are you not just being negative? Are you not just being, you know, illusional? You know, there's nothing here. It's almost like, are you sure you're thinking right? Somebody says to them, if you think you are, let's come and debate. In other words, are you up to my standards? That's scornful. That's shameful. It's basically saying, if, and I've read reasonably uh, the hard copy, the master copy, but I'm also informed that this is not the mother, this is not the genesis, that's not our product. That's somebody else's product. And somebody else has an agenda. But let's leave that before you begin to think my position is, you haven't stated it. But somebody else has an agenda. And it's important to know that agenda. It's important to read what they say between the lines. And if standing up for you to say, assuming this is the agenda, please underline the word assuming, assuming this is the agenda that somebody wants to soften us, somebody wants to gradually move us so that by the time they say even LGBT is fine, we've moved so far that we can't look back. If that's the agenda, we must not be ashamed to say we don't agree. It doesn't matter how much dollar they give us. In the context, Jesus would say, are you sure you are not ashamed of me or end my words? What's your view of sexuality? To what age group must it be told? Whose responsibility primarily is it? We must not be ashamed. Even if you are a teacher, you can say, I teach it, but I don't agree, unless you do. But Jesus, in the context, is actually raising a fundamental question. And the question is this. Are you sure you are my disciple? That's really the question. You say you are my disciple, are you really sure you are? Because if you are my disciple, here is how my disciples behave. They are not ashamed, as a general characterization, of me and my words. They do not deny me. They acknowledge me, not only privately, as we'll be seeing, but also publicly. Carrying one's cross implied bearing the reproach and burden associated with one's chosen way of life as a disciple of Christ. We live at a time, this I've said before, I'll say it, that if a young lady is a virgin, to simply say that, we live in a society that will kind of look at you and say, are you sure you are normal? 
are you functioning properly? It's almost like you carrying leprosy. What Jesus would be saying, are you ashamed for living a virtuous life? For using decent language? For dressing modestly? For going to the right places? For raising up your children in a God-fearing way? For holding up to biblical standards, for not stealing at your workplace, for not speaking the language that insulting in the context of your friends. Are you sure you're not ashamed? Jesus meant that his disciples had to bear a particular burden that none disciples did not have to bear before. To be ashamed of him means refusing to bear one's cross. Being ashamed of Christ and his worth means refusing to bear the costs associated with choosing to follow Christ wholeheartedly. Refusing to count the cost. Following Christ will in this world, by its very design and nature, keep away from doing certain things. Just make it sound positive. Keep you away from enjoying certain things. That's what you must do if you are a disciple. You put in an unconfused language. It means it will keep you away from sinning as a determined position, as a resolved attitude. That I will live a life as much as God grants grace and as much as I can to please the Savior, even if it means suffering for it. In the context carrying the cross explicitly means being ready to die, identifying with Christ. It means in this context to refuse to give up what the world provides to gain what God can give. Reading this section again, you read statements like, what shall it profit a man? That in this context, it means to whatever is worldly, even just what is in the world, that if that is to be pursued at the expense of forfeiting your soul, this text says, do it proudly. Listen to the words, verse 25 of Luke 9. For what does it profit a man, and implied and woman, if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What, that, what is the profit for that? And then we have verse 26 as a reason to that statement. For, and this is the answer, because when you are ashamed of me, it means your preoccupation is to gain the whole world and not have a thought about the forfeiture of your soul. So it means in this context to refuse to give up what the world provides. That's, not, that's being ashamed of Christ. You refuse worldly gains and the things of the world. It is to go with adulteries and sinfulness of the world. That Mark, that's what Mark would tell us. Anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous 
and sinful generation. It's to go with that wind. To be ashamed of Christ and his word is to choose the worldly values or ethics instead of the correct biblical values or morals, ethics, standards, ideals, or principles or beliefs for life. Be ashamed of Christ is to embrace worldly values and refuse to embrace biblical values. I ask again, beloved, are you sure you are not ashamed of Christ? Wherever you are, beloved, please remember you are still a Christian. Whatever you do, please do remember you're still a Christian. And do demonstrate in every context that you acknowledge Christ as your master and Lord. That you acknowledge his word as the guiding principle and the standard for your life. The fact that you are elsewhere, probably in Siavonga, does not mean, therefore, you forego your standards. You're still a Christian. Don't be ashamed. Be ashamed of his words means to disbelieve them, to refuse to comply to them and to contradict his words. And Jesus is implying that you know his words. That you know his words is also implying that you know him and that you have a relationship with him. So my question is simply this. Do you actually have a relationship with Christ? Do you even know his word? With what regularity do you study in this context the gospels? With what regularity do you study Christ? How closely are you related to him? Are you sure you are a disciple in the sense of a disciple is one not who simply learns, but does what the teacher says? And it's in that context I ask, are you sure you are not ashamed? Let's put it another way, and it's putting it this way. The things you do, what's the motivation behind them? Why do you do the things you do? So that you identify with who? With your peers? With your work colleagues? Even with the fellow saints who might be off tangent? Why do you do the things you do? Is it to announce that you belong to Christ? Is it to state that you acknowledge him? Is it to indicate that you obey his words? Or you do them for some other reason. The verse is very clear. For whoever is ashamed of me. And of my words. Of him will the son of man be ashamed. When he comes in his glory. The glory of the father. And the glory of holy angels. Is that what it means to be ashamed? When you do the examination of what that means, on which side of the test are you? The side that's not ashamed? On the side that is ashamed. 
if it's in your marriage, what are the principles you follow? Simply do things other people do? Simply because other families do it 50-50, does not you do the same. You must do the biblical thing. Simply because some husband does not put children to sleep, does not, say, does not mean you shouldn't, unless the Bible says don't. So are you ashamed? What is the attitude the Lord Jesus is calling for in his disciples? If that's what being ashamed means, what is the attitude? Simply this, boldness and bravery or courage. He's calling for us to be brave. He's calling for us to be courageous. Because sometimes we'll be ridiculed and made to feel ashamed right in our faces. Are you ready to die and not cower away? Will you courageously stand up as men and women in history have done? That even in the face of a burning fire, they would say, I can't change my mind. Because my mind and my soul are enslaved. My conscience is bound. That takes courage and bravery. As is illustrated many a time, if some person with a gun came here and said, if you are a Christian, you die today, what would you say? Would you be the first and say, Ninja Sakofi? <laughs> you know, it's the parents I was following. Now, these parents also. Or will you stand up and say, look, with the gun or no gun, I am a Christian and I will live up to my standards. With poverty or no poverty. These are the areas in which our Christianity is challenged. If you are in business, some ZRI officer says to you, there is another way, but there are no receipts. What do you say to them? Some provider of a service says to you, look, this can be given to you, but look, there is a percentage that must not be accounted for. If you are a lawyer, will you simply pick up a case because it has more money even if it's terribly wicked? Will you be ashamed to say to your client, you've done wrong and all we can plead is that there is leniency but hopefully you've repented? Or will you be working to prove them innocent when actually they are guilty? Will you be working to ensure that they, it's dismissed on technicalities because they didn't lodge in something properly, therefore they are innocent, or you will identify courageously with Christ. The disciples of Christ must be bold and courageous, even to the degree of always being ready, even for martyrdom. One test, beloved, I know it's a calling for some. For some, it's exceptional abilities. We are even scared, and literally scared, to simply go on this road, Broadway, and the person passing simply give them a tract. We'll have a meeting this coming week. Would you like to come? 
I can tell you, if we said I have tracts in my office after the church service, all of us, let's go by the roadside. Some vehicles will drive out and all of a sudden will have a headache. No, you see, actually, even when I came to church, my stomach. It's simply because of going on the street and say to people, Christ loves you. Some of them may insult you. Some of them may say, what nonsense? And we don't want to be told those things. Well, if you are a disciple, Jesus is saying, be courageous. Because pressure will come. Beloved, let's not be deceived by our state of the nation. Christianity is welcome. That even in parliament, in cabinet, it's discussed. In other countries, it's an abominable thing to do. Will you still stand and say you are a Christian? It calls for courage of not only inward, but outward confession of who they are and whose they are and what belief they hold on to. And Jesus in these words is very clear. Verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory. Matthew, anyone who does not acknowledge being before men, outwardly, that's what we read. Mark, in this adulterous generation, how brave are you to stand up for what you believe? Christianity is not simply a matter of the heart. It's also a matter of an outward demonstration. You show to the world that your allegiance or allegiance is to Christ, even in the midst of hostile opposition, even if it is from people from influential positions. John the Baptist, you may have your head cut off. Our Lord is calling for an attitude that should accompany our worship of Christ. Proud of him and proud in him. Anyone who is ashamed of Christ cannot take his or her cross and follow him. Anyone who is ashamed of Christ cannot, under serious pressure that even threatens death, confess or acknowledge Christ publicly. had an experience of what my tribe has experienced for a long time. Referred to as a small tribe of docile groups. Uh, you can't even be proud to be lumber. So at the car park yesterday, I asked the young man, uh, what tribe are you? And he told me, I am mixed, Bemba and Lala. So I said to him, if you are lumber, they have given you 100 kwacha. I said, never. No, never. And I'm interested now. So why don't you want to be our kamba? And I'm thinking, you didn't know that's a heavenly language? Let's assume in Christianity and in this context, it's really a minority group. Would you stand up and say, I am? And you do so bravely? Or you cower away? You are a youth, and everybody else is watching pornography. Do you join them and make light of it? Like it's not a serious thing. When everybody else is using 
language that must not be used. You simply speak the same way so that you belong. Everybody else has a boyfriend or girlfriend. You look for one so as to have the same reputation. Or you would say to them, my time has not come. Will you be proud? What is the glorious blessing? What is the awful, horrible consequence of being ashamed of Christ? The worst of it, beloved, is to miss heaven. The very worst and the terrible and horrible consequence is for Jesus to say, as he says elsewhere, I never knew you. Away from me, you doers of iniquity. It would be terrible to assume you are a Christian. And for Jesus only to announce to you on that day you were not. Because you are ashamed. Because you denied him. Because you didn't acknowledge him. Because you did not obey his words. It is being denied by Christ when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Being ashamed of Jesus has serious permanent consequences. They are not temporary. Those who are ashamed of Christ and his word, those who deny Christ, who suffer not some slight temporal inconvenience, but the eternal consequences of rejection by God himself. If you are applying, for instance, for membership, the elders may not approve it. The elders may not recommend you. So we use the strong word. The elders may reject your membership. Or the elders may recommend your membership. The members may reject it. That rejection is nothing. In comparison to this. You may be stopped from going to a wedding. That's nothing. You may be stopped from attending some Company meeting, that's nothing. If you are young, you may be told by older people, this is for old people, for adults. Out! That's nothing. But when Jesus rejects you, you'll be in the worst position anyone can ever be in. So don't be ashamed to repent of your sins. Don't be ashamed to acknowledge you are a sinner and you look to Christ to save you. Do not be ashamed to know that you don't have ability in yourself to save yourself. Do not be ashamed to live a holy life. Do not be ashamed to conform to the standards of his word. Because maybe that's an indication if you are, that you're actually not a Christian and you're up for being denied if you hold on too long by the Savior. To be disowned by the thrice glorious Redeemer to be disowned forever will reveal fully the folly of those who are ashamed of him, those who deny him and his words. Many times I pity people. When you're going as a church people and they look at you, church. it's almost like, you know, it's these people who have nothing to do. And in your heart you're thinking, what a worse position. You can never belong to a glorious group if you are saved. You're part of the church of Christ preciously bought. I ask, beloved, are you sure you are saved? Please don't tell me you got baptized. Don't tell me you've been a Christian or you've been coming to Ndola Baptist for a long time. I am asking, are you sure you are? Can your life tell because you are not ashamed that you have not denied him? Your practices, 
What is the glorious blessing of not being ashamed of Christ? Eternal salvation. It is being acknowledged by Christ when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Watching a Nigerian movie yesterday of some young lady who was born out of wedlock and she was ridicule of the community. Every ten she went was basically, this is some uh, out of wedlock child and mistreated and she became a rebel. Well, before the movie ended, it was discovered that she was actually a daughter of a king who had slept with a maiden, as they call them. At that point, her status changed because the king acknowledged her and everyone who was insulting her, the change of view, those who beat her knew what was in store for them. All I ask, beloved, will the king of kings acknowledge you? Not Pastor Lama, not Eodamwila, not Bishop, so and so and so, not Prophet, Apostle, this, Overseer 3, not the acknowledgement, will God acknowledge you? If he will not, what a waste of time. It's being recipients of the blessed reward from Christ when he comes. That's how Matthew 16, 27 puts it. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. So let's assume you are a Christian. What will be your reward? It is to have what is gained in Christ for all eternity, which far outweighs all that is lost for Christ temporarily or momentarily in this world. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Are you ashamed of Christ? Are you sure you are saved? We'll be singing a hymn basically has to do with making a wise choice. And the hymn goes this way. Which way are you choosing? The narrow or broad? The context of Matthew, will you be ashamed to be on the narrow road but be proud to be on the broad road? You will have to make up your mind. Just give up your own way and follow the Lord. Why don't you make up your mind? He died the strange of Galilee to bring salvation to you and me. A strong companion you prove him to be. So won't you make up your mind? Which crowd will you follow? The large or the small? On which are you resting? The rock or the sand? Or what will you do with the Savior today? He bids you make up your mind. Will you be ashamed to make up your mind today to live a holy life? And if you're not saved, to come to Christ for salvation. Father, we do ask that we'll examine ourselves, that the Holy Spirit will cause us to search our hearts, reveal to us who we truly are, that if we are your disciples, he will assure us, he will confirm with us, he will testify 
with a spirit that we are God's children. If we are not, that he would convict us. That he will give us ability to come to you in repentance and faith. And that we then can say, the one who has promised is faithful. Therefore, we are God's children. If we are Christians and not living holy lives because we are ashamed of standing up and showing publicly and privately that we are God's children, that we are Christ's disciples, Father, we pray, help us to make up our minds that we will not follow the large crowd, that we will follow the smaller crowd, that we will not walk the broad road, that we will walk the narrow road, that we will rest on Christ and no one else, that we will truly make up our minds, repent and receive him without delay. May we make up our minds even today. So be pleased, our God in heaven, to cause your words to bear fruit in our lives. That will be so troubled and we will have no peace until we look to Christ in repentance and faith for salvation and for holiness. Grant our Father, that the world will not lure us to its standards, but that we will, our God, be convinced and hold on to the standards of our Savior. That we will truly be disciples that will be ready to carry our cross and therefore not be ashamed. That will acknowledge and not deny our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if any are not sure, plead our God that will not be ashamed to talk to somebody, to make things straight and to our Father of assurance of where they stand. Be pleased to bless us each one. And our Father and our God to dismiss us with your glorious blessings. In the glory of your Father and of the Son. All and of what that means, the glory of holy angels. We do plead that you will acknowledge us. Therefore, may your blessings, your fellowship, and your sweet comfort go with each and every one of us. And that our God you cause us to meet again this evening, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.